Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined here in studio by Allison Wiest. Hello, Allison. Hello. Hello. It's that time of year. It is. a wonderful <laughs> time of the year. No, it's not Christmas or nope. snowing or anything. Nope. It is. Yes, I do not have to ask you the typical opening question of, so what good books have you read lately? Because this is our summer reading podcast. Our, our annual one. And I mean, it's crazy. This is, I think this is our fifth annual. That's what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. And so Dim and I did the first one and it was sporty summer reads. Right. It had a theme. And then we we're like, you know what? We have a book expert here in our midst. And so we used to bring you on as a guest before <laughs> you're part of the actual show, like on a rotating basis. I know. I know. I'm so, deeply grateful. Yes. Yeah, so happy anniversary. Thank you. Same to you, love. <laughs> oh, thank you, dear heart. So, so, um, I have been enjoying some quiet time in the house because the twins have been away at musical theater sleepaway camp. And how's that going? So it was, so it's a two week camp and visitor day was on Sunday. So, and Jack opted to play in his baseball game instead of going down. He's in an actual baseball league. Okay. And so he actually went down Saturday night because there was like a little performance or something. You were allowed to visit on Saturday night after 6.30. So then also, then he brought the laundry back. So then that was good because, <laughs> I mean, part of what they said for visiting on Sunday was, oh, yeah, you know, there's no laundromats on campus yet. It's at a Willamette University. You know, you can go to a laundromat. And I'm like thinking, I'm not spending a beautiful Sunday in a right. laundromat with my kids. Right. Um, so went down and... Um, they're just having a great time and um yeah and there's a performance on friday evening friday afternoon that we're going down for great so they did a little snippet of things and um daphne has changed so much in in the week that she was there <laughs> that when what? they we were in the auditorium waiting and i totally spotted john right away right it took me a while to recognize daphne and why uh, is that? I don't know. She was wearing a headband, which isn't her usual MO, but she just looked different. She looked more <laughs> somehow poised and older. And I don't know. I mean, John's going to remain the little pipsqueak that he always is for the rest of his <laughs> life, I think. But I don't know. So, but oh my goodness, I immediately teared up when I saw them. Oh. Uh, and oh. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we had a very nice afternoon. But by the end, they were bickering. So I was like, yeah, all is well. Yeah, I remember this. And I'm going to head north and leave you guys here. Bye now. Yeah. Bye now. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but because of that, I've been getting out and about a little bit. So I have seen two movies at the theater Whoa. since they've been gone. Wow. Yeah. Which ones? So saw The Beguiled with, um, I saw that with Molly. We went. Um, so The Beguiled is the Sofia Coppola. And I saw the original. I'm dating myself, but I saw oh. the original one with Clint Eastwood that it's did, based on. I, did, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, uh, Coppola was sort of intrigued when she saw it. Of course, it's based on a book as well. Oh, I did not know. I, right. My goodness, you're a font, a positive well, font. <laughs> well, I want to hear what she thought of that one because the Clint Eastwood, the original one, was was pretty creepy so it is so it's a civil it's set in the civil war set in the third year of the civil war it's a period piece um this version stars nicole kidman and colin farrell and um kirsten dunst right um and l fanning yeah that's her name yeah and um so yeah and it was it was it was creepy i thought it was gonna be creepier i thought it was gonna be a little bit more like the others have you seen that nicole kidman yes yeah so i thought it was gonna be truly kind of gothic horror and it wasn't. And it definitely, it's a very slow movie. There's not a whole lot happening. Mm -hmm. 
but it gave you a lot to think about. And Molly and I definitely talked about it on this morning's run because she is just excellent at doing deep dives she is. into like Google research. And we, you know, she is a, um, she sews. I didn't know what noun to use. She's a sewer. Is that what I would call her? She's I guess. A, seamstress. She's a, seamstress to me seems like an occupation. <laughs> right. Um, right. So uh, she, because it, it was, I will have to say that it really kind of irked me that they wore a lot of white dresses or white dresses with a very small pattern on it. And they stayed as clean as, yeah. as if they were in a museum behind glass. Right. Even though they're working outside and... All, and I thought, my goodness, mine would be would have sweat stains, you know, halfway down oh, yeah. my side of my body. Yeah. And would have mud and blood and gut stains that would never come out. And these things were pristine. They look like they're on an American Girl doll. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so Molly's interest in sewing and uh, garments and things, she definitely did a lot of research in that. So we talked about that on our run. Um, and also, I mean... Um, uh, I think that uh, Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell were too old for the roles. I mean, Colin I, Farrell's yeah. 41. She's like 50. Yeah, I wondered about her. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Colin Farrell is sort of possessed with one of those useful faces. He uh, is. It was hard to believe he's 41. Right. Um, I have to say I'm not typically a fan of his because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when from I let my what I've read about his personal life bleed into... But boy, he is really easy on the eyes. Oh yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and he I think is tailor made for. When I heard that he was taking that role, I thought, oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And they have him speak in his accent. You know, he's um, Irish, so they have him speak with his Irish accent, and they say that he had just was just fresh off the boat from Dublin mm-hmm. when he um, joined the um, union. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I saw that, and then last night I took Phoebe to see Baby Driver. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> And I'm sure I know why she wanted to see Baby Driver. Well, so it turns out she insists after we leave that, no, Mom, you know, I never had a thing for Ansel Elgort. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, I saw the fall in our stars with you, honey. I know that you were digging Ansel Elgort's scene. When they're this age, you just have to nod and say, yes, dear. (laughs) And then it had eye candy for Mom, too, because John Hamm is in it. Right. But with a dreadful haircut. Um, So, I mean, it is a really intriguing movie. I mean, it is, it was tense, definitely, Phoebe and I were very kind of anxious slash tense during it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is the way music is integrated into it is so fascinating. And they say that the soundtrack has become just like immediately everybody's downloading it. Right, right. Yeah. And so, and I was not a fan of Ansel Elgort going into that. I, fi- I used to find him kind of wooden and I always felt like, oh yes, mm-hmm, he is acting and um, but he just seemed very natural and had a real charisma in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the scenes where he's wearing the headphones and not so much dancing, but moving through a cityscape is very intriguing. Like he kind of interacts with people and with murals, and it's just it's wacky. Um, and there's there's a fair bit of violence, so it's definitely not the typical mother daughter movie, right? <laughs> um, but it was. Um, it definitely held my interest, and I I like I enjoyed it. I okay. have to say, yeah. Uh-huh. Carl and I have it on our list, and yeah. he wants to see it, so I need to see it for him because he was very kind to me, <laughs> and took me to see Sam Elliott <laughs> in The Hero. <laughs> so, so I have not heard of this movie at all. It's a very small movie, and um, it got very good reviews. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to bust any records. In fact, I'd be surprised if 
it's still on first run, but uh-huh. it was essentially written for Sam Elliott. Oh. Um, and he plays uh, somebody very much like himself, a, a very handsome gentleman in his <laughs> 70s, who in this case uh, has acted all his life, but his one big movie was probably about 30 years earlier and it was called The Hero. Oh. And essentially what he's been looking for is another vehicle like that to sort of propel him forward. Oh. Um, but in the meantime, he smokes a lot of pot. Uh-huh. Uh, he gets involved with a woman who's literally half his age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, a crisis that, that we learn about fairly early on in the movie. And if you like Sam Elliott... <laughs> <laughs> Get in line behind Allison. That's exactly right. I was amused, though, because the, the people in line, when we went to the movie, I turned to Carl and said, oh, this is disheartening. There's nobody, no female under the age of about 45 here. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looked at me. He's like, y- "You think?" <laughs> for for those who don't, uh, Sam Elliott doesn't immediately spring to mind. Just think, really big mustache, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and great gravelly voice. And uh, he he's the Coors guy. Coors. Oh. oh, he has a voice kind of like. Oh, that. sure, yeah. sure. And I guess he, I never realized. Yeah, that. Okay. and he was a narrator of the Big Lebowski as well. Oh, all right. Look at you. So, you yeah. are. Are you president or vice president of the Sam Elliott no, fan club? They, they demoted me after I stalked him. <laughs> <laughs> he does live in Oregon. So. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah, oh I can't. I, I won't say the name of the town out loud, Sam. <laughs> Let me back into your good graces. <laughs> but he and his uh, wife, who actually pay, plays his wife in the uh, movie, uh, Catherine. Uh, you know, goodness, I'm going to blank right now. Catherine from. Um, Not Catherine Keener. Oh, Catherine Ross. Catherine Ross. Oh, from Butch so, Cassidy and oh, the she's Sundance. she's so beautiful. She's gorgeous, and, and she's still lovely. But they've uh-huh. been married a, a long while, and she plays his ex-wife in this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gave yeah. you a little bit of hope there, E? Uh, <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> I love my Carl. <laughs> you sure do. You sure do. I do. Um, uh, as well, you should. Uh, so, which reminds me of you talking about Carl on runs, which then makes me remember running with you. And I hear you have some <laughs> some health revelation to share with us. Oh, well, and... Uh, I have for years, like probably for 10, 11 years, I've had this knot on the left side of my right toe, mm-hmm. um, big toe, and um, always thought it was just a bunion, and it began giving me some issues. So mm-hmm. last week, I finally broke down and, and went uh, to a podiatrist, uh, orthopedic podiatrist, who looked at it and said, oh, yeah, it's probably just a bunion. Let's do some x-rays. Mm-hmm. No, I've now don't have any cartilage on mm. uh, my big toe joint. So um, he essentially gave me the conservative versus the, it may come to this. And mm-hmm. the conservative um, was essentially to go to a wide toe box shoe. So mm-hmm. went out and bought some of the Hoka's 1-1 mm-hmm. and um, can definitely tell a difference. Oh, wow. Um, you know, wide shoe box, but um, so there a little, it takes a little getting used to when you look down. I felt like a Russian cosmonaut, but crusty <laughs> <laughs> the clown, <laughs> right? But uh, that um, I'm using correct toes, those toe spreaders, toe spreaders. Oh, toe spreaders, those work phenomenally well. I have heard. I mean, I, after the third person in like 24 hours told me, you know, the story of oh, I had a friend who mm-hmm. used them. And I'm going to do anything because I didn't realize. I thought, oh, okay, well, if none of this works or a couple of years down the line, I guess I'll just have my 
joint replaced, you know, like people have knee replacements, oh my God, joint replaced. <laughs> oh, no, no, they don't do that for big toes for somebody my age. He said, if you were 88 and, you know, uh, you know, barely hobbling around, yes, but apparently they do not last long for oh. active people. So it's a fusion. Oh. They fuse your big toe. Oh, wow. You know, um, Courtney, my high school best friend who had that terrible um, broken ankle, who That's like right. basically shattered her, her left ankle uh, three summers ago, she had her ankle fused. Um, so she seems pleased with the outcome. I mean, she she will never be able to run again because of just the trauma of the, the, the accident just did a lot of damage and she just can't run again. But oh. Um, but I think she's happy with the um, basic the diminishment results. of pain okay. and the, her ability and other. Par- I mean, she's super duper active. So um, it, other than um, not being able to run for other reasons, it hasn't slowed her down at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely hoping that's down the line. But and I thought I said, well, so like six to eight weeks uh, recovery, and he looked at me pityingly and said, oh, we're looking at twelve to fifteen for if you had a fusion. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, and, you know, of course, you go online and you start oh, reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't, don't do that. that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm hoping to avoid that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just, uh, you know, my right toe was beginning to drift into my little toes. And, you know, oh. I was hobbling around in the morning. And oh, wow. Wow. So I just want to get back to, even if I can't race like I used to, I mm-hmm. just want to get back into running. Sure. So. Just those uh, occasional miles every, yep. a couple days a week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That make us all yep. feel so much better. So, all right. Well, after this quick break, Ellison and I will talk books, books, and more books. Stay with us. All righty. I am going to admit right off the bat that you are the more prolific reader than I am. And you always have been. Um, and, um, you know, I could, I could kind of blame my kids, but um, that is not the reason for it. The reason for it is, is that I really like watching series and movies on TV. <laughs> Sing it, sister. <laughs> Own it. Yeah, there's a whole lot of things to watch on BBC there, America. That's all right. there is to it, you know? And they're really hot guys playing British vicars, and I just have to watch all of them. <laughs> oh, well, good. Well, we talk about a British vicar later on, so oh, let's see. All right. Bring on the vicars. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, but when we talk about books, um, your stack's bigger than mine, and uh, we will start with fiction and then move on to just a few nonfiction options. And um, we want to start at the top of your um, have read list, and I'm, I'm going to definitely include a couple of my. Um, start reading lists so anyway so yeah so tell us what your top choice is there oh my top choice especially for the summer is uh eleanor oliphant is completely fine and it's a debut by gail honeyman um and it's the story of eleanor who's this very lonely kind of odd young woman who spends her days either at work Mm-hmm. Or at home drinking vodka and eating pizza. And it's set in uh, the UK. It's set in Scotland. Scotland, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one day she meets a very unlikely friend, Raymond, the uh, IT guy. Uh, but at around the same time, she also becomes infatuated with this uh, rock star wannabe. Mm. Um, so suddenly her life is full of new people and experiences, but this also leads to loud rumblings from what turns out to be a rather horrific past. Mm. Um, and I really like uh, the the character. Eleanor is uh, she's she's like I said, very odd. But the way Honeyman writes her, it, it really um, 
she's not only interesting, but she's also uh, got a lot of um, sort of ways of looking at the world that are in, are, are intriguing and mm-hmm. also make you sort of step back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is perfect, perfect, perfect for, and other people have said this, for fans of Me Before You, which uh-huh. I know you oh, enjoy, JoJo yes. Moyes. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, last year I talked about a book called The One in a Million Boy by Monica Wood. Um, so... I I really think that especially Anglophiles who enjoy mm-hmm. well written Brit chicklet. Mm. Uh, I am thinking that it. Um, am I mistaken in thinking it's a little bit like a Maria Semple novel? Yeah, I think so. I think um, possibly. I think hers are a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say frivolous because I love that first one, but mm-hmm. uh, or not her the first one, but Bernadette the one, one, the Burned Debt one, which wasn't her first. Um, yeah, I think there's. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if mm-hmm. you in in liked Where'd You Go, Bernadette, um, mm-hmm. you would like this one as well. Um, as I said, it's totally in my stack. Yeah, um, I it see is, it there. It is, Good. Uh, yes, it is in my stack, and that is <laughs> it is the next book that I'm going to be reading. And I have to say, E, am I, I, I think you've read at least one of this woman's books, um, Alison Pearson. It yes. sounds like people who like um, her book, I Don't Know How She Does It, which Perfect. I just loved that book. Yeah, I think um, that's a good match. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you love that, and she, I, I really liked her follow-up too, I Think I Love You. Um, and I have to give Allison a shout out because she gave us a blurb for the back of Train Like a Mother. And I, I do love her books. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Good. Good, good. So, yeah, I'm excited to dig into that. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. So, my top choice is a book that has stuck with me for weeks. Um, and it's American War by Omar El Akkad. I'm afraid to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know um, that, you know, I love dystopian novels. And this one... I, mean, I was completely riveted and moved by it um, and it combines climate change and a second war of the north versus the south and um, it just it's just so well thought out and um, it definitely got a trifle slow in the third quarter or so um, mm-hmm. but the final 40 pages I was reading outside and it just had me crying just tears just oh my streaming word. down my face the entire time just because I don't know, it was just so, so moving. It wasn't like one thing, Mm -hmm. but it was just so powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, John was actually, he was seated at my desk, which, so he had a view of me sitting outside reading and he knocked on the window and he's like, mom, mom, are you okay? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, yes, it's fine. (laughs) And that's a sign of a great book. Yeah, yeah, it really was. It really, it, it just... Gosh, and it was, it was, I mean, it had a real human element to it. So what, you know, it, it definitely has a what if side about the, about climate change, but it was, it had such a strong, powerful human element to it. So, um, and he is, uh, the author is, um, I believe he was born in uh, Qatar um, and, uh, or some, or Egypt. He was born um, in the Middle East, but now he lives in Oregon. Right. So, um, lives right outside Portland. So, um, so I, if people liked Underground Airlines by Ben right. Winters, which was one of the books that I suggested last summer in the podcast, right. and you point out just came out in paperback. Just came out on Tuesday. Yeah. So, I mean, def, I mean, I see a lot of similarities between enjoying those two books. And also, um, I think people who like Station Eleven. Now I was just going to say, mm-hmm, yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Oh, Station Eleven love. is one of my all time. And I'm not as big on dystopian as you are, but that book stayed with me for months. Oh, I still think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. So American yeah. War is the same way, and um, I just really, really recommend it okay. very highly. I need yeah. to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about 
English Vickers. <laughs> uh, so my next book is The Essex Serpent uh, mm-hmm. by Sarah Perry, who's also British. Um, and you know how I adore well-written historical fiction and that I'm a sucker for the decal-edged books. So uh, this is score and score. Tell people again what decal-edged means. Decal-edged is when it's a broken... Here, I'm going to show you. See how I definitely it's... know what it means. Uh, I wish yeah. it... So when it's um, like rough edges. Right, rough edges, not smooth edges. Mm-hmm. Very rough and the rougher the better (laughs) and we're talking books here still okay um but this is a charming by no but by no means lightweight novel and it's uh, set in england in the late 19th century it's about a woman uh named cora seaburn who's ahead of her time and now she's been set free from london after the lingering death of her not very nice husband um So she and her young son flee to the coast of England. Mm. And uh, once they're there, they become friends with the local vicar and his family. (laughs) And they hear rumors of this large serpent that's lurking in Mm -hmm. the coastal waters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes a serpent's just a serpent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really loved the writing, uh, and I adored the characters. Um, And the vicar put me in mind of one of Thomas Hardy's hunky, you know, know, sort of the, you know, the, the, the... the open collar, you know, <laughs> plunging out into the countryside and you know, brooding. Um, but Perry does channel a bit of Jane Austen here. Ooh, and, and you're, also, oh, you're speaking my love language. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. So 70 years after the fact. I, I, I make that connection because of the way she uh, talks about some of the peripheral characters. Mm-hmm, some of, mm-hmm. A couple of them are, I'm, I was thinking, oh, Austin would be proud. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a little bit of Sarah Waters, I think. If, oh, if sure, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the paying guests. Yes. Yes, yeah. uh, that was an enjoyable And one. I think if you like Tracy Chevalier and oh, yeah. um, Charles Palliser, who hasn't written anything in a while, but I, I think if you kind of get that idea. I oh, also okay. think it might appeal to people that enjoyed Longburn by... Um, Joe Baker, remember oh, yes, that one? I do. Yeah, Longborn, which is also sort of a an Austin, very thing. Austinian, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, keeping in keeping with that um, British theme that we seem to have going yeah. with Ooh. us. Um, over the weekend, I just finished and uh, I ate it up with a spoon. Uh, Magpie Murders. By Anthony Horowitz. Oh, I'm on. I'm on the. Uh, I've, I've got it on the library. Oh, hold. I can loan you mine. Oh no, no, I take it back. I'm. Oh, I got mine at um, Lucky Day. Oh, which, um, okay, yeah, yeah that's. Um, oh, you scored. I, I really wonder scored. how you scored that, and I'm still waiting. Well, because I think they just take. So Lucky Day is our library, which we adore, Multnomah County oh, Library. Oh yes, shout out. Um, they will take super popular books and put them on the Lucky Day shelf, and you can choose up to two of them. And then you can only get them for three weeks. I mean, I guess you can make them be overdue, but you cannot renew them. Right. Um, because if people are wondering, like, why are we so excited? Yeah. <laughs> the Multnomah <laughs> County Library is very heavily used. Extremely. And then the second, and Alex is nodding his head, the second, <laughs> you know, you hear about, you read about a book in the New York Times, you hear it on NPR, and you go to put a hold on it, and there's 178 holds on Literally. it. Yeah, Literally. Yeah, or, oh, and 178, you feel kind of lucky, like, oh, I got in kind of early. Before the 300 mark. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So to find a lucky day, and um, so I felt, I did a little happy dance when I found that. So Magpie Murders uh, by Anthony Horowitz, who, um, since I noted I'm a fan of series, especially British ones, Anthony Horowitz is the creator of Foil's War. Oh, I love that. And he wrote scripts for Midsummer Murders, which is one of the things I have um, on my list of Netflix to dive into. So Magpie Murders, it's a classic British whodunit set 
though, within. So that's set in the mid 20th century, but then it's wrapped inside a modern day mystery. So it's almost like a novel inside a novel. I love those. It's actually not like it. It is. Yeah. Um, And it's terribly clever and very well written. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I love Sherlock so much. And uh, Anthony Horowitz... um, he is the author of two Sherlock Holmes novels, which I plan on listening to on audiobook as I run, uh, Moriarty and the House of Silk. And I've heard great things about yeah. those. And both of those were actually approved by uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's estate. So they're kind of, they're wow. legit. I guess there's a lot of non-legit right. uh, Sherlock Holmes novels out there. So anyway, so Magpie Murders, um, real, real page turner, but super well-crafted because I think sometimes... I don't know. Sometimes a book like that, it's you are ten. You're like, oh, okay, not great use of language or whatever. This really well use of language, good dialogue, everything. Good, so, good. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad to hear you liked it because I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, I I hate to keep the British train. <laughs> She's Irish. (laughs) Um, It's a young author named Elizabeth Day. And this book isn't coming out until the 15th of August, but it's called The Party. And I have to tell you, I've gotten a little bit jaded about um, mysteries and thrillers lately. Mm. You know, uh, some of the popular ones have really left me cold. I'm looking at you, girl on the train. Um, (laughs) And there's a couple of favorite series that, really now have sort of disappointed me. Oh. Louise Penny, who's oh, my much-beloved Canadian author, oh, her oh. last couple. Uh, so it was with some trepidation that I started the party. Um, but uh, I think what listeners should note is that this is a character-driven debut uh, that isn't just a whodunit as much as it's a who does what and to whom mm. at an over-the-top extravaganza at an English country house. Mm. And Love it, those English country oh houses. Oh, yes, very mm-hmm. much so. Yes. And it's um, set uh, in fairly modern times, um, and it's the story of two couples, Stade Martin and his plain wife, Lucy, and the obscenely wealthy Ben and his beautiful wife, Serena. Mm. Now, Ben and Martin have been best friends since boarding school, so Martin really worships the ground, you know, his handsome pal walks on. <laughs> um, and Day sets the story around Ben's 40th birthday party. Oh, uh-huh. But uh, she immediately lets her readers know that something has happened. Don't, 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 Exactly. But then she skillfully backtracks to the childhood childhoods of both men but she focuses primarily on martin who's sort of an odd and sometimes sort of creepy fellow and i what (laughs) i love about creepy again yeah yeah (laughs) but i I really like this because it kept me on my toes and just when i thought that i kind of had a handle oh this is going to happen she would the author fooled me mm-hmm. and I love that I really mm-hmm. appreciate that mm-hmm. and as one reviewer pointed out the book has something in common with the talented Mr. Ripley oh sure yeah. um, I also think it's going to appeal to readers who enjoyed In a Dark Dark Wood oh, I don't by know Ruth that. Ware mm. um, that one came out I guess about a year ago but also going way back um, and you and I both love this book The Secret History oh sure by Donna Tartt mm-hmm. her yeah. debut novel yeah yes which yeah. I have uh, I actually have been considering rereading I have too that's oh, funny yeah, that I, you said I, that I, yeah that's because I love the goldfinch so yeah. much oh yeah and it's going to be probably another eight years before she comes out <laughs> right, with so her fourth to, novel right. <laughs> I have to go back to the existing ones yeah talk about stalking somebody <laughs> that's who I should be stalking <laughs> 
All right. So now um, I'm going to have to move into books that I am uh, looking forward to reading. Okay. And um, this one is A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. Yes. And, oh, yeah. Um, I, I loved it. Uh, oh, you read it. Yeah. 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 So I loved Amor Tolls' uh, previous novel, Rules of Civility. Which I did not like and could oh. not finish. Really? Yeah. I just found it such a quiet gem. Yeah. That's what so many people have said. Yeah. And also maybe I read it at my parents' house. It was my mother's book. And so maybe there was some attachment there that I put to it that I wouldn't otherwise have. So, um, and I've had a lifelong fascination with Russian history and culture. I um, studied in the then Soviet Union in the summer of 1987. And A Gentleman in Moscow is about a Russian aristocrat living under house arrest in a luxury hotel for more than three decades, Mm -hmm. starting about 1922. So, um, and when I talked about the podcast on Twitter, a couple people said, oh, you have to include this one, you have to include this one. So, yes, so I have that truly in my list. Good, in my good, stack you'll here. love it. Yeah, 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 good. Yeah. All right, so, but you have read other books. You can tell I me. have read, uh, ta-da, an American author. And <laughs> see, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, two, um, The Heirs by Susan Rieger, and uh-huh. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, R-I-E-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, oh, the rich, you know, how we love to read about them, <laughs> and especially if we get to laugh at them or with them, uh-huh. which you can in this book. Um, sh- her previous novel was called The Divorce Papers, mm-hmm. and it's somewhat it's somewhat similar. I think I like the heirs better. Um, but this one is about the aftermath of a very wealthy man's death. Mm-hmm. You know, to all accounts, this guy is Rupert Fox, is mm-hmm. his name, was a perfect example, example of immigrant orphan makes good in New York City. Mm-hmm. He was a real successful lawyer. He was married to a upper-class woman, Eleanor, and they raised five beautiful sons. Mm. Uh, But after he dies, a woman comes forward uh, and sues his estate, saying that she is the mother of two more sons. Oh, I saw that one coming. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting the way what um, the author does is she essentially divides the rest of the book into... uh, the outlook of about eight of the characters, including, and I found this sort of fascinating, including the wife of the man that Eleanor, uh, that was her first true love, so Eleanor the widow. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting that the the way she sort of, you know, sticks with the main theme and the Mm -hmm. main question, was this woman actually uh, the dead man's lover or she just a grasper mm-hmm. um but then also you know takes us you know through the lives and sort of the the history of all these other mm-hmm. uh, characters now every once in a while she kind of goes down a rabbit hole and leaves us there but um <laughs> i really thought this was a good read and it w- had a couple of laugh out loud moments including one that just was a side splitter but i cannot repeat it on the air uh, well, that's good, i was that. taking a quick drink at noon so I, yeah. I was like thinking, don't say it don't, <laughs> don't say it because i don't want to spew it at the mic okay <laughs> but if you enjoyed the nest uh by cynthia dupree sweeney which was all the rage last year mm-hmm. um i think you'll love this book and also at times um it made me think of a laurie colwin novel and oh you know oh. how i adore and miss laurie colwin but oh, taken too soon so much. I yeah. mean, I, when I think about how many other great novels she could have oh, exactly. could have written, um, so that that and then um, you know how I love Elizabeth Strout. So mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. finished Anything Is Possible, mm-hmm. uh, which was her um, 
follow-up to the story of Lucy Barton. So it has many of the same characters, but it's a short story collection. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, remind people maybe that um, Elizabeth Stroud, she's the, uh, her Pulitzer Prize winning collection of short stories, Olive Kitteridge. Yes. Um, And if you want to watch things instead of reading them, as some people sometimes do, um, that was Olive (laughs) Kitteridge was made into a uh, miniseries with Frances McDormand. Right. And and it's wonderful. I mean, it's one case. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, it is. And Mm -hmm. it's it's one case where, you know, you think, oh, God, they're going to ruin this book. And they didn't. Oh, good. Good, good. So um, I'm always impressed, as I've said, by the number of books you read. Right. And so are there any books that you tried to read yes. that maybe we can tell people to save their time by skipping? Because I do have one. Uh, I have one, too. And, and I'm in, again, in the minority, but it was called Standard Deviation, or is called. Um, mm-hmm. And it's by Catherine uh, Heaney, H-E-I-N-Y. The Times loved it. There's been a lot of other people raving about it. But... <sighs> It's essentially about a, a, a fellow who's uh, married to his second wife. They have a son who's on the spectrum. And he, they, he still has a relationship with his first wife, which, mm-hmm. as the novel progresses, turns into mm-hmm. uh, an affair. Mm-hmm. And um, the second wife, she was so annoying to me. You know, when you first start reading the book, it's like, oh, you know, this is, you know, she's... The writing is kind of perky and, you know, bright. And then it just became twee. I just... I love that word. I love that word. And I love using it where it's like, that's what I want to say. And twee describes it. And after probably about 50 or 60 pages, I said, can't do it. Wow. Okay. Because I got the sense that when we were in book group together, that you would really power forward despite sometimes not liking us. Well, you know, I'm old now. (laughs) Time's running out. <laughs> no, I just figured, you know, my mother before, she used to be one of those that no matter what would finish a book. Oh, wow. And uh, about the time she learned she was terminally ill, she just said to me, you know, life's too short if I don't mm-hmm. like it. And I was like, hooray. So, <laughs> yeah, I give a book these days, I'm lucky if I give it 50 to 60 pages. Oh, yeah, I don't begin to give it that long. No. no. Yeah, no. So no. I... um. Uh, you mentioned Girl on a Train, right. which is by uh, Paula Hawkins, and I tried really reading her um, sophomore novel, um, Into the Water, and boy, I couldn't even get past like 10 or 15 pages. Wow. Yeah, I just, it just was not doing it for me. Wow. The, the, I just didn't find the writing engrossing, I didn't find the story compelling, nothing. So, yeah. Um, which Girl on a Train, on the train... I read it. I quote unquote enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, I felt a little like, mm, oh, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have read that. Like, I don't know. It just wasted uh, time, or a little bit wasted time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, I do want to see the movie, however. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Emily Blunt. <laughs> yeah, and what I've been hearing from people that did read the book um, was that they did. They were disappointed by the movie, not by Emily Blunt, but by the movie. So oh, huh. I'll be interested to see what you think. Huh? Because you know they move it to um, Connecticut and New York, right? Or some, yeah, I think she, I think it's Metro North. She and rides. use a British actress. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so all right, well let's move on to nonfiction. Although we don't have many, but. We we both have the same. <laughs> yeah, we do. Which, which I, I I thought that might happen given uh, uh-huh. sort of how you and I are. We we like some of the same. Yeah, I read the best land under heaven. And it's by Michael Wallace, uh-huh. and 
Yes, it's about the Donner Party. Yes, because the subtitle is The Donner Party in the Age of Manifest Destiny. Which actually I think is is fairly important because he does tie in a, a lot of details about that time. It, you know, it took place in 1980, 40, or excuse me, 1846 <laughs> to 47. <laughs> and, and at a time when uh, it was a matter of national pride that we were pushing west mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so that factored a lot into it but mm-hmm. uh boy uh you know i'd watched a couple of documentaries oh, on of the donner party oh. i've read a fantastic novel which i'll mention in a minute about uh tamzine oh. donner uh-huh. which i r- highly recommend and oh. i've been fascinated with him since i was a kid oh it just yeah just, I mean, yeah. it is a story that once you hear it, you're like, no, no, no way. Right. No way. And so, I mean, I've been fascinated with it since I first moved to San Francisco right oh, after college. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and because I that's have, where they were I headed. I have gone swimming in Donner Lake. Wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, definitely you th- when you're standing on the shore, you think, wow, 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 wow. Like, I'm glad it's summertime and I just exactly. ate lunch. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it yeah. wasn't my... my my travel companion that I just made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that is the thing, though, that the, this book, I thought, really sort of nailed, I mean, obviously, it talks about the cannibalism, but the thing that it really talks about is how many mistakes led up to that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people, I I grew up thinking, oh, it was just that they decided to take this new route, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, turned out to be something of a bust, but there were so many other things that led up before mm-hmm. that. They, mm-hmm. you know, dawdled in places where exactly. they stood. Yep. They got, um, you oh. know, dragged down by, you know, parties that had a lot of cattle. And, you know, it was just like, and you could almost, while I was reading, you could almost hear the clock, the doomsday clock sort of ticking in the background. <laughs> sure. and you're, you know, and he starts every one of his chapters with the date up at the top. Mm. And you start saying, you know, July turning to August and mm-hmm. August turning to September and 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 because winter we're not we're you don't have to wait until December no I mean it is no. October you're, exactly you're stuck where you are and they you know unfortunately it was one of the worst uh, mm-hmm. I mean an um, horrifyingly bad winter bad winter mm-hmm. terrible mm-hmm. Um, but I got to say it was a great time to be a woman oh every single one of them survived pretty much i mean yeah. no, there were there were a couple that died but you know and the interesting thing was he does point out you know women have more fat but the other thing that he makes a point of a couple of times is that these women wanted to live for their children mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of times the men especially if they were uh, single and mm-hmm. really didn't have any family they just gave up and the women mm-hmm. refused to do that um and wow. just you know, he talks about, you know, these women were single-minded, mm-hmm. and they were determined mm-hmm. to stay alive for their families. Well, so we're just... The strength a, of the human will. We're just will. tougher. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, the yeah. human female will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking at Carl, though, saying, mm, baby, you would have been good eating. <laughs> I've been very muscular. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, but so, uh, as I said, that's uh, in my to-read pile. But um, I have read another book about it, and I've watched mm-hmm. a lot of documentaries. And as I recall, the I thought the one family, was it the Donner family, that they did not one of the families didn't didn't resort to cannibalism and every single member of that family survived the breen family okay yeah patrick breen's family Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and they were a large family Mm -hmm. um and they also said something i I think at one point he talks about how the larger the family and this more sort of cohesive group and the other thing was the children if they if a child was uh over about the age of four or five they typically 
um, survived. Mm. Um, but I, I think here again, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Breen family that well. didn't, didn't do it. But it's, I mean, I really think it'll appeal to people that, and this is going to sound crazy, but if you loved the Little House on the Prairie books as a kid, <laughs> there's an element of that, uh-huh. uh, I sure. think, yeah. And then uh, anybody that likes Eric Larson's books, oh, I think yeah. will like this. Exactly, yeah, that's what yeah, I was I think you'll well. enjoy it. Yeah, and also, I mean, to me, it has a tiny bit of uh, John Krakauer. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, uh, with, yeah, especially uh, when they talk about, you know, that the, so many times, you know, they would send out, you know, people trying to get up over, you know, the mountain mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to get to bring back, bring back help. help. Also, then the thing, so I heard a really intriguing interview with the author on Fresh Air. Mm-hmm. And so that you send out a search party, you send out a search party. Not only do they have to get to help, but they right. have to bring the help back. Right. So it's right. Like, Okay, they must be about a quarter of the way there, but right. then they have to come back. Yeah, and oh, in some goodness. cases, you know, they 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 were in such terrible shape. Mm-hmm. You know, the parties when they finally got to help, that it wasn't like they could just you know Turn eat on. a good meal and <laughs> head back. Right. You know? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. So, um, yes, yes. Um, so, and then there's another nonfiction book that I've been eyeing. It's called that I again heard about on NPR. Um, it's called Grocery, The Buying and Selling of Food in America by Michael Ruhlman. Mm-hmm. And I find the food culture in America just fascinating. Um, and so, I mean, it sounds a, a trifle dry, but I think the whole business of groceries and how things get into grocery stores. And oh, like, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's interesting. It, it sounds to me, again, I haven't read it, but a little fast food nation, a little, um, what was that um, book about that woman who um, tried living on a whole bunch of um, minimum wage jobs? Oh, Barbara. Yes. Uh, five and Dime? Yes, exactly. Five, Thank you. Ehrlich? Exactly. I, I think, think so. Ehrlich, yeah. We're, Something that yeah. Uh, when we read for book group. Right. Yeah. Right. So and it, we had some great discussions on that one. Yeah. That was yeah. that was some of the best discussions, I think, I re- recall from mm-hmm. book group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, so um, again, so uh, it's not... Um, you know, not the first book I'm going to pick up to read, but um, when I, because I definitely um, do like to mix up fiction with nonfiction. I, yeah. You know, I skew yeah. far more so short fiction, but um, and you you put in short stories. I do not. I'm not a short story story reader. By yeah, I find short stories can either be just amazing or mm-hmm. real duds. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I keep I keep trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But um, you have um, a few. Uh, books that you are looking forward to reading, I know. Yes. And um, the first one I put on my, <laughs> I immediately put on hold at the Multnomah County Library. Yeah, it comes out August 1st, and it's a new Tom Perota book called Mrs. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. And I love the description. It says that, you know, it's just, I think she's in her like her 40s, and one night when she's in bed, she gets a text from somebody she doesn't know who that says, You are a MILF. Oh. And so she kind of goes An down American the rabbit hole. Right, right. So she sort of goes down the rabbit hole trying to find who sent her this text, but she also gets sort of obsessed um, apparently with this sex culture in America. And, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, this, and this, this leads fiction. to some issues. Mm-hmm. This is fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that one. All right. So, and um, so. Tom Perota. I did not know how to say his last name before, I but I believe that's okay, the yeah. way. Um, so um, I 
I mean, The Leftovers is one of, that's one of my top 25 favorite novels I remember ever. how much you enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. a, again, a dystopian. <laughs> right. But, wow, so well done. And I, yes. I really have enjoyed a lot of his other books. Um, uh, young Children or what? Little Children. <sighs> Little Children. Uh, and then one of his, his, for his debut novel, which I'm going to totally blank on, so I'll look it up, but I loved it. It oh. was about a young man in a band. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, huh. So, anyway. So, um, and, but despite loving The Leftovers, bringing back in series, I have yeah. never watched the HBO series, or I watched like one or two episodes of it, um, and despite how hot hot oh, Justin Theroux is. Yes, especially uh, with his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hadn't noticed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, but I, I sort of let that train pull out of the station, but now that I'm hearing such great things about the final, it's the final se- I think it ended. It, just it ended. did end. It and, just ended, and yeah. it got such great reviews, and I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe I need to go back and watch that. Yeah, what was it? How many? I think maybe three seasons. That's what I was it wasn't thinking. A ton, it wasn't a ton, and since right. it was on HBO, it didn't have like 22 episodes per season. Right. But, um, so, and speaking of short stories, you have a couple collections in your to yeah, read. Yeah, to read was A Fresh Complaint by Jeffrey Eugenies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Middlesex author. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got his first short story collection coming out, and uh, that's in October. And then, and this I've kind of put under the hmm category, which is uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks. Yes, mm-hmm. that Tom Hanks uh, has a short story collection also coming out in October called Uncommon Type. Oh. And, you know... I'm terrible. Sometimes I think, you know, you're such a fantastic actor. You do this so well. You're a director. Why, you know, why deviate? Which is terrible because, you know, I'm trying to put the man in a box. (laughs) So um, it'll be interesting. See, but I really think, in my mind, Tom Hanks does no wrong. Right. Like, he's just so, I mean, I even loved him, like, in the Carly Rae Jepsen video. (laughs) 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 so um i just he's so charming and um endearing and i mean please i've loved him since bosom buddies oh really to really date myself in the television world (laughs) (laughs) somebody's scrambling for google right now yeah no i mean and i I, you know i shouldn't be sort of pessimistic but um i'll be very interested to read that one uh-huh. um but i and i do and i love it when people are sort of you know a renaissance man and he could be sure yeah sure. and then there's a great book coming out called the misfortunes of marion palm mm-hmm. and that's a debut by a woman named emily and i believe it's Culiton, c-u-l-l-i-t-o-n mm-hmm. um and uh that is a is a i think will really appeal to people that uh, said uh, i don't know how she that enjoyed I don't know how she does it because it it deals with a wife and mother who uh, gets caught embezzling from I believe it's the her PTA or you know something or the school she works for something oh yeah yeah so that that one I'm looking forward to um Alice McDermott finally after about nine years has a new novel come coming out called the ninth it has been Wow. It has been. Okay. Uh, it's called The Ninth Hour, about a, you know, a woman who's heavily pregnant when her husband commits suicide, mm. and mm. she begins to take uh, comfort in a nearby Brooklyn convent. Oh. You know, she's huh. one of, as people call her, one of our best Catholic fiction writers. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There's a new novel coming out called My Absolute Darling by Gabrielle Talent, mm-hmm. and Everybody in the book world is just screaming about this book, including Stephen King, who apparently oh. has just given it some of the highest praise he's ever given a book. Wow. Um, 
And do you know anything about it? It's a, about a, a it's a, sort of a coming of age novel about a f- very precocious fourteen year old girl. Oh, huh? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, we've got the locals by Jonathan D. Did you ever read the Privileges by Jonathan not. D? You need to not. read that. Oh, okay. Gosh, my my stack's getting higher and higher by the minute. Yay! <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm intrigued by that one. And then Jennifer Egan uh-huh. uh, has got a new novel coming out in uh, October called Manhattan Beach. Uh-huh. And it's set in um, World War II, I believe, in a shipyard. It's uh, sort of described as sort of a noirish. Oh, uh, so set in Manhattan Beach, piece. California? No, um, or, oh, I guess it is Manhattan Beach, California. Yeah, uh-huh. excuse me. I'm right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, down yeah. by Long Beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I still have not read A Visit from the Goon Squad. Oh. I mean, I I, I say that uh, I feel like I'm taking my shirt off on air, bearing my soul because it's a podcast. It's okay. <laughs> okay, thank God. Yeah, well, it's it's the equivalent of <laughs> because I uh, I really I don't know why. It's just every time I want to read it, something else comes up. Uh-huh. Well, it's always that way, though, don't you? I mean... Oh, yeah. So many books, so little time. So right. few uh, pairs of eyes. I mean... I, so, you know, my thing is, is okay, so I love audiobooks. Right. Because particularly now that Molly is not able to join me on the long runs, it makes the long runs um, go by, uh, makes the miles go by. Um, I'm listening to Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. Oh, which... Top uh, 10. Oh, oh that... And I mean, I've read that book like three times. How is it? How's so the I've, narrator? So I've read it before. I went through a big Daphne du Maurier oh, yeah. uh, um, bender when I was, uh, I don't know, 15 maybe, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And um, so the New York Times actually just did an yes. article. Oh, that was such a great article. It was. I saved it. Uh, oh, sure. It's on my kitchen table. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so, and I love the movie, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my. Lawrence Olivier. Oh. Be still my beating heart. And, you know, to be as old as it is to still have oh. that connection. I mean, every time I see that, I either DVR it or watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, um, so oh, it is just, a, I mean, it's well read. It's just really engaging. Oh, it's it is phenomenal. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Um, I will have to say, though, despite how much I love flowers, they talk about flowers just an awful lot in that book. Oh. And so now I want to Google because now I'm like, okay, rather than being like, okay, enough with the flowers, I think I need to go back and be an English major and write a paper about the the <laughs> role that flowers right. play in Daphne, Daphne Maurice Rebecca. Right. <laughs> I can see yeah. it's about, you know, 10 to 12 double spades. <laughs> typed pages um so i want to see if anyone else has written about that theme right and see what there is so and I'm, you know there's a new biography of daphne de Moray that oh, is out that. it came out you know, earlier i want to say like in the spring oh. it got so-so reviews mm-hmm. but they did say that if you're a daphne de Moray fanatic uh-huh. you will love it uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, and of course, I have a real affinity for her first name. Yeah. So, yes. yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, but listening to audiobooks, um, so there's that as an option. Right. And then there's sometimes that, like, after a long run that I'm so kind of, not so much sleepy, but just kind of drowsy that I wish I could put a book on my chest and I would somehow be able to absorb the words <laughs> into my bloodstream and, and experience them on a level that's not audio. Are you listening, Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> For, forget about going to Mars. We need absorbable books. That's right. Come on. By 2020. 
um yeah because um there's just not enough hours in the day oh, no. to experience no. them all no it's you know? I, I feel exactly that way and there's such a world you know they are they you know you leave everything else you can leave everything else behind and really you know here we talked a lot about books a lot of books that were set in um britain you know, I don't need to hop on a Virgin Atlantic airline right. to, to go there. I can just open up the book. Yeah. And I can see it and I see my version of it. Yes. You know, and certainly when I listen to Rebecca or something like that, I see the people from the movie. But other than that, they're the way they look to me. And I mean, you get a good enough writer and you can feel the breeze on your face. Exactly. You can smell the, you know, tea roses in that bowl in the drawing room, you know. And that's why I think so many times I'm disappointed by a movie because if the book has really grasped me and mm -hmm. just held me tightly, then I have that mm -hmm. world in my brain. Mm -hmm. And if it's not doesn't come across exactly mm -hmm. like my world then I'm disappointed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. although the reverse of that can sometimes work in it works in my favor um, that sometimes I'll see an adaptation whether it's a BBC production or a movie mm -hmm. and of a book that maybe I was finding hard to get into oh that's and so true then that way Good point you know particularly because like I mean I adored um, Middlemarch by George Eliot right and um, Mill of the Floss by George Eliot. And I keep trying to read those books. They are, particularly Middlemarch is fairly impenetrable. It is. And it's an awful lot of pages too. <laughs> it is. And it's something where, I think you have to do what I did with War and Peace, uh -huh. where you divide it. You tell you, I'm going to read 20 pages today and then I'm putting it aside. <laughs> my, um, what I should admit, my dirty secret about War and Peace, which is one of my favorite novels of all time, I skipped a lot of the battle scenes. Okay. Because it's a whole lot of words. Oh, it is. It, and it's a whole lot of battle. <laughs> it, is, it, is. it is. But again, that BBC adaptation. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it all goes back to it's the guy, the hot vicar who's in Grantchester. <laughs> um, yeah. That actor uh, is, you know, stars in Warm Peace. And oh, my goodness. Man, gracious. for all the Episcopalians listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about all the hot vicar remarks. <laughs> um, so yeah, but the, but the you know a good adaptation can get you into a book, and I think yes. you know, or listening to it maybe a little bit on audiobook and then picking it up. I That's mean, I a think, good point. I think there's, um, you know, make no apologies on you how you get into a book. Yeah, and I also think um, that I have gotten more and more where I don't apologize if I don't like a book that mm -hmm. everybody else is raving about. You know, I think I used to sort of turn it inward and say, oh, my God, what's mm -hmm. wrong with me? What am I? Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think that's a sign of us, a sign of, of age for both of us because <laughs> yes, I've been very open about like the fact that I didn't like S Town, the podcast. Right. And um, a couple other, well, you know, that I didn't like La La Land. Um, yes. Movie. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm, I refuse to see La La Land even wow. because so many of the people that I trust have said, wow, don't, don't Look bother. No, Look I'm not going to see it. No, Look at that. I mean. so, so before we stop talking about books, how about, um, do a couple books spring to mind that you read just ages ago that really just stick with you? And, and I'm not so much talking like a, a war and peace. I mean, that's right. kind of a layup type. But is there any book that like kind of quietly has that yes that is unique to staying with you yeah and it's probably a book that's that's hard to to find so i apologize for that it's called uh, blue horse dreaming and oh. it's by a woman named melanie wallace oh, uh -huh. um 
And, oh gosh, the book is probably, I want to say it's probably about 15 years old, but it, um, it takes place in the West, and here I'm sort of fuzzy even on the details, um, at a, um, a fort uh, where sort of a beleaguered you know, army captain and um, then a kind of a mysterious woman who, mm-hmm. who comes in. Uh, into the into the life of it um that book for whatever reason just has always stayed with me I I have a copy at home and there are times and another time where Carl laughs at me I'll go by and pick up that book Mm. and just flip through it Mm. um it was very well written another book like Station Eleven that really stayed with me Mm -hmm. and was very haunting um but it's a book that I've recommended to other people, and uh, some people have enjoyed it, um, and other people have sort of said, yeah, I tried to get into it. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But, yeah, that's hmm. one that, that, for whatever reason, has, has really stuck with me and kind of pops up every now and then. And then, of course, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, so it's funny that I mentioned that, though. Yeah, it is, because uh-huh. that probably is what I would have mentioned if you hadn't mentioned it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, huh. What about you? You know, the book that I keep coming back to lately and that but still um, I think about it a lot is um, If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino. And oh, have you read any no, Italo Calvino? No, not a lick. Um, so I took a, um, a philosophy of literature class. I think that was the name of it at Colgate. And um, we studied exclusively, we read books exclusively, novels by Italo Calvino. He's Italian. Mm-hmm. And he was Italian. And um, he's no longer living. And um, uh, they've been translated. I do not read Italian. <laughs> and, uh, and then we studied, um, uh, gosh, some, some philosophical um, books that kind of look at how you look at literature. Right. And so If on a Winter's Night a Traveler, it's a novel that has been parsed up um, and the reader, it's written in the second person, the, so the, some chapters are, and it is the reader, you know, and he talks directly to the reader. So it's almost like the, the, like the office, the way the, you know, you turn and talk to the camera, the fourth wall. you know, or yeah. modern family, something right. like that. And um, so really talking and that he, so that he, the narrator will um, be talking to you and then it goes into the novel and then he comes back out to modern day. And um, I don't know, it, Magpie Murder uh, reminded me of that because of having a novel inside a novel. And, um, and that can work so well, or it can bomb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, people that do that well, I just mm-hmm. hats off to them. So I kept, I kept, all, you know, in college you have to buy all the books, or mm-hmm. you did at Colgate. So, um, so I, you know, I, I purged a lot of books that I had from college. I was an English major, so I had a lot. But I kept all my Italo Calvino novels, huh. and I would highly. They're they're not all that long. I mean, some of there's one that's a, um, a novella called the uh, Cloven Viscount. And um, I don't know. They just really were very intriguing to me. Oh, boy. Um, I, I yeah. foresee a, a binge. I, 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 you know, I actually saw a bright, a bright sparkle in your eye being like, what? A novelist I haven't heard of? Oh, I've heard of him. Oh, I've just okay. never oh, read right. him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> so it'll be that and a visit from the Goon Squad. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and oh. I can't wait to hear what... Um, some of the listeners are enjoying this summer and what they're looking forward to because I'm always surprised at, at, at how suddenly, you know, you hear about a, a book coming out and 
you know, you had no idea. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm really looking forward to the comment section. Oh, good. Well, the comment section, or they can tweet at you. Um, yes. At EGW Reads, R-E-A-D-S. Right. right. Um, yeah, on Twitter, do. and I'm at SBS on the run. And um, yeah, and I think based on people kind of almost clamoring t- for this episode, I think I next summer we're going to have to do it earlier in the summer. Well, either that or we need to do a winter version. <laughs> oh my goodness, now you've done it. Now you've done it. Hey, uh, come on, let's hear the clamor for a winter version. <laughs> clamor, 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 clamor. <laughs> Alex is nodding. <laughs> Must be that sticky bun I slipped him earlier. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, always a delight to talk with you, E. Always a delight to be here. I look forward to this every year. Oh, good. Good Good running. Me too. too. Yep. All right. Well, let's hear what Dimity and the Train Like a Mother Club group is up to. Hola, hola. It's Dimity here with the Train Like a Mother Club corner. We are nearing the end of July. Oh, my gosh. Summer is faster than a speeding bullet. Faster than Superwoman, faster than you even running. Holy cow. Uh, Anyway, today is a little bit of a tribute to one of our Train Like a Mother Club coaches. It comes from Christine, who is in the Heart Rate Marathon program. And she writes, I just want to give a shout out to Coach MK. Thank you for your coaching and love. I am paying a fraction of the cost I was paying for a private coach and getting so much more out of this training. I super appreciate the honesty with real answers and real solutions. You care more about my goals and training than my private coach did. Your resources are amazing, from silly toes to foam rolling to bulletproof butt to videos, captions, training peaks, calls with a coach, podcast, this group. I could go on and on. Thank you, Coach MK. Thank you. And I just want to echo a big thanks to MK and to all of our Train Like a Mother Club coaches who really do go above and beyond. And it's very cool to have... um, the all the benefits of a private coach along with the teamwork and the teammates and the camaraderie that the train like a mother club brings so it's uh whether you want to train for a 5k or an ultra or um spend some time on nutrition or run a really fast half marathon we've got a plan for you and more importantly we've got connection and guidance and leadership for you and um it's just really fun to watch. So if that's something that's interesting to you, head over to trainlikeamother.club. Um, and we will see you next week. And I hope you have a week full of happy miles and maybe still a little firecracker in your step. Who knows? All right. Take care, guys. Bye. All right. And I know that uh, last week I said there were just two spots left open for the retreat for the Another Mother Runner Run Plus Refresh Retreat, but a spot just open because those others sold out. So one spot just open. So if you've been debating attending, waver no more. Nab that spot to join us September 21st to 24th in beautiful Spokane, Washington. For details and to find out how to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. And as long as we are talking books, I would be remiss if I did not recommend our own books by me and Dimity. Uh, Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner. Um, witty, conversational, essays and advice. Train Like a Mother has 10 training programs in it and Run Like a Mother, which was our debut book, 
cover everything from hills to husbands to peeing and pooping on race day. There's nothing that we don't talk about in that book. So um, anyway, you can find links to those on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. There's a uh, link on the top that says our books, and it'll take you to um, those on Amazon. Or I'm sure you can find them at uh, some local retailers. So thank you for sticking with us through this and talking about books. Our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. <laughs>